episode, episode 56. 56 episodes of this damn stupid beer, cider, mead, alcohol show. Uh, <laughs> you'll notice uh, Jason's missing tonight. He's driving home uh, and unpacking and eating and, and living his best life. He hasn't been home in a week, so we're going to give him a night off. Damn, he was gone for a week? Yeah, like wow. just okay. all over the place. <clears throat> That's right. That's why he couldn't come fishing. I didn't realize he was going to yeah. be gone for that long. All right. <laughs> um, tonight we have uh, Brian and Julie. Um, they are going to be talking to us about uh, making cider, um, about Glint Cap, about apples, uh, what he's up to. Um, everybody knows Jordan. Everybody knows me. Uh, so what, uh, Brian, Julie, uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? Um, right now I'm drinking some founders Oktoberfest. Ooh. Same. Oh yeah. She's drinking the same. <laughs> there is a Julie back there. Okay. I'm, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm hiding. I'm, uh, I'm in my PJs. Yeah. Hi. It's, it's kind of our Friday. Um, we just got out done with art prize, so we've been uh, we've been working all weekend and everything. It's been insane. Yeah. Oh <laughs> and, well, yeah. And don't, burning the candle at both ends a little don't, bit. Don't don't worry, Julie. Yeah. If I were to stand up, I'm in my PJs too. It's just <laughs> that's you're not alone. I'm the only one wearing pants for the show today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you guys did you guys work? uh art prize was was jolly pumpkin down there or what's the yeah um art prize goes around jolly pumpkin there's a couple different uh there were a couple different um pathways through their media app we were along the green line uh so um it was pretty cool like the refreshment area allows people to walk around with beverages so if you really wanted to like you could go it, to city built you could grab a beer you could walk over to new holland you can grab a beer you can walk over to jolly pumpkin you can grab a beer um and then you can walk all the way down to the city um it's just like vegas yeah like <laughs> new orleans awesome. yeah uh it's pretty rad it was really busy uh, uh saturday night jolly pumpkin we definitely hit a record for a saturday all year you know that's the most we've sold since the pandemic so that was pretty positive we're happy about that and a lot Sweet. of people and families out there i uh i completely forgot that the like the drinking district thing was was in effect um this year this is probably the first art prize they've they've had that right where you can actually like, take a drink and just like wander around outside with it yeah, yeah that's, that's totally cool phenomenal i there's a map i have somewhere i'll find some point but um, yeah, it goes all around the city. I mean, you can go to Hopcat, you can go to Rockwell Republic, you can go anywhere, Bob, Amway. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, it's been like that since, you know, since the pandemic, I think they're going to keep it. Yeah. How, how does Grand Rapple, Grand Rapple, um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> apples on my mind already. How does Grand Rapids, uh, handle the 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 cups the cup situation is it like is there a specific cup that you have to carry around um that marks it as like a you know a district cup or something or yeah unfortunately they're all single use cups uh which ah. is not that sustainable but the we as we get all these stickers from the state like or the the county um they allow, they approve our stickers and they pay for them so that we can put them on our cups so like you know, we get we get reimbursed through the through the program. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. We, we get a lot of people that come over from butcher's union. They got their frozen cocktails and then they come in they come get, they get, you know, a sour beer. Um, then they go walk down the street to anchor bar and then, you know, then it's 4am or 2am already. <laughs> <laughs> we get a lot of college kids and whatnot, but yeah, it's been pretty rad. Uh, I actually, today I just blended our second batch. Um, I did a batch cocktail seltzer. Uh, with spiced rum, I use pumpkin spice, apple cider, and chai tea. Oh, so man. it's more like a smoothie style seltzer, um, just you know, carbonated and five percent, and uh, it's got so many caramel, like different, different spices and caramel notes and everything to it. Is that going to be on tap soon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it on tap. Uh, I did a six still on tap on Saturday, and we sold out within. We sold out that day. Wow. Uh, wow. And then um, today I just put on another batch. It, takes, it only takes a few hours to blend up. It's not like I'm actively fermenting anything. It's just a batch cocktail. So I just, I got a carbonation stone and a, and a corny keg and then just do one batch at a time. Oh, that's sweet. I don't know where Jordan went. Jordan has popped off. So oh, yeah. He, uh, I think he just, well, he says his PC freaked out. Um, but, uh yeah i was gonna ask uh jordan what he was drinking but i guess he's he's no longer around he'll be back i'm sure um, yeah I, I just got a i got some homebrew check pills um i'm gonna crush that and i got some nice. i got some oktoberfest too uh from bells so we're drinking local you know the local oktoberfest oh yeah and uh in some of their uh side yard ill i got some of that too but are they uh as founders are they still doing the 15 pack of those cans this year yes that for sure yeah, they're definitely we we get we benefits from some of those fifteen packs. Um, Julie's dad works for Founders, so every now and then we get some some free ones. Every now and then we get some fifteen packs. <laughs> <laughs> gave us like a massive load, so we've got a cooler stocked full of Centennial, Unraveled, Oktoberfest, Solid Gold, and yeah. then some like mystery beers that don't have labels on them. Yeah. The, mystery the, bottles. The mystery bottles are, are dangerous because yeah, you don't know what you're getting what yourself you're, into. You know, you it could be like a barrel aged barley wine. <laughs> yeah. Um like a masagave it could be a, like a pale ale that they only brewed once with like you know, citra hops and like yeah. um yeah it most, Usually those are the last ones to go, and it happens when we're like <laughs> entirely too drunk, and then and then we get like entirely more drunk, much more. Drunk. Yes, <laughs> those are the ones you uh, you bring to friends' houses and just kind of like leave in their fridge, yeah. and then it becomes yep. their problem. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for sure. Yeah, we we get all of them. I check the date codes on every single Centennial that I drink. I'm like. Mm. <laughs> Three months, no, I'm going to give these away. <laughs> They're still fresh, but, you know, I'm picky. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess if you're if you're getting the hookup on Founders, you can afford to be picky a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I always say I, I like hazy IPAs. I think two, two weeks after packaging, that's probably when I feel like they're the best. And then, like, regular IPAs can be um, good you know, up to three months, in my opinion, before I start, like, questioning how they were uh, stored, like, temperature-wise. Yeah, yeah. 
but it's a picky it's, it's tough being a home brewer <laughs> it's tough you being. um you made anything lately like a uh, homebrew wise uh not not beard tech um mostly just cider i've been fermenting mm-hmm. just five gallon batches of juice um most of the juice comes locally i get from uh i got a bunch from hill brothers farms they're out um over by sparta um I got a little bit of juice from Robinette's, but the Robinette's one can be a little pricey. Um, and it's more like sweet. Like uh, um, you're not going to get the tannins that maybe some of the other local juice blends may have. Um, and then, you know, you always think about cost effective wise. If you're buying juice from Robinette's retail, it's like $8 a gallon. But mm-hmm. if you go to some of these other local suppliers, you can get it, you know, three seventy five a gallon in any form. And they'll, they'll fill up any of your vessels. So you can just bring your corny keg or 10-gallon 10, 10 or 15-gallon stainless steel vessel and just fill it up right there. Um, That'd be sweet to roll in. Just like you just you get like you got like the like a like a 15-gallon like conical fermenter you just like stick in the back of your car and like roll up on wheels and just like fill me up or something. I don't know how you get that back home, I guess. You have to tie that down in your truck or something pretty good. Yeah, you probably have to have a nice truck. <laughs> nice truck. Nice truck. Yeah. The the most actually, uh, when I was working professionally making cider at Aris Brewery and Cider House, um, I, we were doing 50 uh, or 5,000 gallons of juice on a tanker. It came on a big rig, like a giant oil tanker. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just have it. I'd have to get up there at four in the morning, block off all the parking with kegs, empty kegs, um, you know, and then wait around for them to show up from Michigan. And none of the truck drivers liked driving from Michigan to Chicago. Like they don't really like going through the city of Chicago. So we had to always third party our truck drivers. So we had a different truck driver almost every time. And, uh, uh, you know, they all have interesting stories, but yeah, they would pull up with their, this giant tanker. Um, and then, you know, it's like breaking bad, you know, they stay in their truck the whole time. You you're like climbing on top of the truck, like making sure it's vented. You got to find the reducer, plug in the hose, you know, make sure that it gets flushed out all the way to the pump that goes through a hole in the wall in the building and then fill up five, 1000 gallon fermenters and blast off the next day with fermentation. That's insane. Yeah. When 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 you were doing something like that, would would it all be like the same? I don't know, the same cider, like the same yeast, same temperature, like same. It, it all just gets blended back together in the end. Yeah, pretty much. Like we keep it separated batch per batch. Uh, you know, every we have batch numbers on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, we use the same yeast. There's a few Lalaman like wine yeast that I like to use. There's. Uh, DV10, mm-hmm. there's D47, EC1118 or 1882 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we would mostly use DV10, uh, which was clean Chardonnay yeast, uh, nice fermentation. You know, the tough part is you, all, you always want to control your the temperature or add a bunch of nutrients. And the nutrient ratio I've always used um, is one gram nutrient to one gram of yeast dry yeast and uh it's it's tough like you 
cost effective wise, that definitely increased how much it costs, especially if you're doing a thousand gallon batch, like you're throwing in a kilogram of yeast. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's a couple, you know, that's $300 at least. And then, uh, well, I guess, no, that's like more like $90, but it depends. Um, for again, like liquid culture, it gets more expensive, but what, uh, what do you use for, for nutrient, like at home? Um, do you use like DAP or like Fermo or FirmK or do you have like a, a preference or, or something else? Yeah, um, I pretty much do go firm um, on the first day. I use, a, you know, a one-to-one ratio or whatever. Um, and then on the third day or like I'll kind of maybe I'll do even two additional nutrient additions of Fermade K. Okay. Um, I really like Fermade K. I think it's just, it. it's like, it's a sure thing that you're not going to get the off, off nose. Like you're not, you know, if you want to avoid H2S, which sometimes it happens almost like, you know, you, whether you, you know, add nutrients or not, sometimes it does happen. But um, trying to eliminate it, then yeah, I'll use it on the third day usually. But you want to use it uh, like the first third of sugar depletion. Mm-hmm that's when you want to use your nutrients. You don't really want to use it anything anymore after that. What, uh, what is H2S? Uh, H2S is hydrogen disulfide. Um, that's what the common smell you'll get in some ciders, which is uh, rotten egg or oh, rhino farts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like the term. I, I never, I never really liked the term rhino farts, especially when your cider has them. Uh, and again, you know, every now and then you could do like one in five, batches might have h2s and there's ways to get rid of it you can scrub it with copper um i've always scrubbed it with co2 it's you know or aging maturization if you just let it sit uh and don't mess with it for like six months to a year and just keep it like cold crash 40 degrees the h2s will just eventually come out of the solution and then you won't you'll have like a really nice matured cider how uh how quick are you turning around your cider like uh like on a homebrew scale you know six to six months to you know 12 months is a long ass time for you know yeah well i usually drink it pretty (laughs) i drink it pretty quick i definitely we're we're drinking it pretty quick uh pretty like every every batch i make it's gone within like two weeks okay Uh, yeah between us sipping on it and giving out bottles to the people we want to have it it goes quick yeah, I bottle a lot. I'll, I'll give some to my coworkers, you know, like as rewards, and they like. My <laughs> they want yeah. me to make it. They want me to make it for Jolly Pumpkin, but I'm not trying to. I don't know if I'm trying to cross that line just yet. Mm. Um, as you're trying to start your own cidery, right? Yeah, yeah. So and Julie so, and I, yeah. yeah, we we've been a cidery and planning for the last like six months to a year. Um, getting more and more serious about it as we keep working for the man. <laughs> does it have a name can you can you give it a can you say the name or something or? yeah of course yeah yeah okay um yeah it's so we chose the name um squiggly tree cider uh squiggly tree cider house um kind of came down from just like when you walk through the orchards uh sometimes the trees aren't pretty you know they're just they're all scraggly and they you know <laughs> yeah they come out of the ground and like sometimes if you try and graft a, a 
you know, a scion onto a rootstock, it doesn't always hold. So then you get the rootstock growing out and then the scion starts dying. And, you know, it's just the, it, Halloween is like a perfect example. If you ever see those silhouettes of a black and white Halloween tree, it's usually like reminiscence of an apple tree, you know, and, uh, and to me anyway. And so, yeah, we've been entering um, professionally under the name Squiggly Tree Cider House. Um, and pretty much it all kind of spawned from uh, when I was the head cider maker at Eris Brewery and Cider House. Uh, and, you know, I, I segued out of the position. I really just wanted my cider to be judged next to theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, and the only way to really do that is to enter commercially. And but it's a slippery slope, you know, you start fermenting in five gallons. And then now I'm thinking, you know, it's like I can get 250 gallons in the tote for like 300 bucks and, you know, ferment that. And it's like you have to get the bonded winery license and whatever, but you can also contract that out. Like Pucks, is, Pucks does contract work with their cans, which is really nice. Um, they do contract work with the brand Mad Farmer out of Detroit. Um, they have like, it's a four berry pie cider. It's, a, it's like a berry cider, um, a little bit, you know, semi-sweet, but yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, they sell it at a lot of local establishments. Um, you know, they're, their main, I guess they're, they're based out of Detroit. I don't know if they have a tap room, but you know, you can buy their cans at like all places all over Grand Rapids and hmm. I'll have to uh, take a look at it. I, I've never heard of them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And uh, that I always liked that idea of um, contract work. Uh, Great Central out of Chicago. Um, they're, you, may, you may have never even heard of them, but they're like mm -hmm. one of the largest breweries out of Chicago. And they do contract work for all a lot <laughs> of the up and coming breweries. And they just you brew it at their place. They can it in large, large batches like, you know, 50, 50 barrel, 100 barrel, maybe even more. But they brew a lot. And um, Pilot Project out of Chicago is another one I'm, I really like as far as contract work. It's the idea of contracting using your brand, just other people's stuff, as long as you know that they're taking really good care of their equipment and, you know, you can trust your product and their equipment. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a good way to at least get your name out there and be able to sell it, you know, even if you are breaking even just to get your name um before you have a tap room and that's mm -hmm. kind of we're a little bit closer to that path but as you know we both have full-time jobs still so we yeah we're yeah. still working on it for sure <laughs> what what kind of like a i don't know what kind of ciders do you want to make do you do you want to just have like traditionals you want to get like crazy with it you want to do like sour ciders like oh what a, like what kind of stuff do you have in mind um i think having like you know a few cores uh, you know, cost-effective cores are pretty important. You have no a modern dry. Um, <laughs> yeah, like modern dry is really good. Oh, and by the way, uh, I, I haven't told you guys yet, but your introduction to the show is amazing. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. nice. so legit. We were like, are we about to watch like a show on uh, on the Food Network? <laughs> <laughs> is Guy going to come out? <laughs> um, our friends, Rip Job Media, um, in down in Kalamazoo here, they – um they yeah they they did it for us so it's uh sam and travis ross uh they do a lot of music videos for uh, local bands in uh around the michigan area uh drew jacobs and uh and some others are uh are some of the bigger names that they've done um 
what's that what's that band they just uh no resolve with no resolve they just did a video for a, a band um i think it was no resolve yeah what, what was the what was the award that was they were they were the number one on billboard um, yeah it was, a, it was a billboard number one like yeah song i think it was for their for, for their yeah. cover of thunder rolls i think it was it, it was it was yeah yeah so I don't know. Yeah, they're good people and amazing yeah. uh, producers. And yeah, just, I, yeah was... I wish in my life I had, I would have reason to have something, some opening video like that is epic. <laughs> someday, someday when you need a commercial, uh, you you come to me and I'll I'll put you guys together. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if you guys saw. Did you guys watch the GABF this year? Mm-mm. No. It was interesting. Uh, you know, they did a little bit of a different format where they're like. Um, instead of having this the slideshow on the screen a majority of the time they were like showing all the people coming up and the slideshow is kind of in the corner so it's kind of hard to read every single um, medal that was awarded but the mm-hmm. commercials in between were were pretty great like I mean it's so funny to see like Bree Smalt um, you know, you would never see the commercial during the middle of an <laughs> NFL or uh, right. event but you see their commercial and it's like kind of homemade and um, you just, it's a reminder about how many like people, how many just family owned businesses are in the industry and they're just, tra- they're just doing it and having fun. And mm-hmm. it's cool to see. We, uh, we definitely appreciate their help. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's what this show is, you know, too. It's just like, it's just fun. We, I don't think any of us really have any, ooh, almost spilled a beer, any ambition to, uh, ooh to be like professional brewers but we certainly love the hobby and, and love the you know the science behind it and uh, making alcohol and entering uh, competitions and i don't know yep. yeah and, and you you mentioned glint gap earlier how'd you how'd you do this year um yeah we did pretty good we uh we entered only one cider i call it the crypto hops cider um it had eight different hops in it wow. um i went a little bit uh overboard on like uh i i went probably 150 or 50 percent more uh hops than i would normally use um and it came out really dry my final scores were uh 41 and 43 out of 50 and i got a silver medal um which was you know great that's our first professional entered cider and we you know compared to a lot of the other ciders that i've been drinking that are hopped they a lot of those also were in that silver category so um it's hard you know like you have to have a quintessential uh cider for it to be the staple for a style Mm -hmm. um in the category that we entered be well um out of uh elk rapids elk rapids uh they won gold for their Spiber Citra, um, or they won best of show for that one. And they've won, they've won the medal for that one several years now. Cool. And that one's really great. You just, you can't beat that combination of, uh, Citra hops and, uh, Northern spy apples. So single varieties, uh, hops and single variety apples. Um, and then they back sweeten with a little bit of honey, which I think is ultimately the, I think that's, what really brings this hop cider together is that you, you can't have it too dry, too tart, too hoppy. You have to have some balance of sweetness in there, almost like hazy IPAs, like hazy IPAs. You need a little bit of residual sweetness and a little bit less bitterness 
for those aromatic hops to really come out. Um, and that's, those are my two favorite styles. I, I like, as far as drinks go, I, um, those are pretty much what we were making full time at Eris. And that was, if I had to get a shifty, it would always be a shot of Malort, uh, <laughs> hop cider, <laughs> hop cider, and then a hazy IPA. And then I would go hop on the 45 minute bus ride home. You've got some fond memories here of Malort. I yeah, know, I got I got just a little bit left. Um, I got I got to get another bottle. I, I got a bottle. We oh, bought <laughs> six occasions. bottles. We a bunch. <laughs> what um, I'm I'm going to um, I think I actually have a Bewell cider in my fridge that I meant to grab. Um, I got to go see what that is. I found it in the back of my fridge, and somebody brought it back for me. I think it's uh, I think it's cherry. Okay, it's one of their cherry ciders. Um. I'm going to give you to Jordan for a half sec while I grab that. I got to get a bottle opener too, because uh, I forgot one of those too. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Cool. Hey Jordan, how's it going? It's nice going. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. Uh, sorry. I was, I dipped out there for a second. Uh, technical difficulties with the home computer. Oh yeah. Uh, no worries. Yeah. 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 Think it, I thought I had it resolved, but nope, guess not back to the drawing board on it. But yeah, yeah. So nice to meet you, Brian. Uh, Julie hiding off in the corner. Yeah, yeah nice she's to meet over you guys. here. She's, <laughs> she's the the woman behind the the uh, what's it called the, the curtain. curtain. Yeah. Woman right. behind the curtain. There, there you go. Oh, that was fast, Brian. Well, so uh, speaking of women behind curtains, uh, my girlfriend heard me uh, asking about the cider and brought me a bottle opener. So, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. I know. Yeah, so it's uh, B. Wells King's Cherry. Oh, nice, sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, we so love. I'm B. glad B. you mentioned that. Jeremy, um, yeah, those guys are so great. I I think they just they really care about their cider. Um, you know, then plus they their location is right across the street from Shorts Brewing, so they're like the cider option for that. And then got it. It, they've it's pretty cool they have like a habanero um cider with really cool can art um and then they did a single variety cider they actually all hopped on a boat um they went to beaver island out over like a little bit north of traverse city and they just forged apples they camped on beaver island and forged apples for an entire like weekend a couple of days and yeah they brought it back and i guess they fermented it all and yeah they had a is all you know most you know foraged apples are from yeah. beaver island which is that's really sweet yeah this there's apples everywhere for sure like last year we we uh our our friend stephen black hit him and his brother kind of uh adopted this piece of land they cleared it out they he had a he got a uh grant from the dnr um to like clean out all the they had just tons of cars and, and and tires and stuff so they started cleaning out this property and then uh he always knew like his grandpa had planted some apples like around the area and right on top of this hill there's like a natural spring on top of this hill and there's these 80 year old apple trees that are like maybe three stories tall just filled with apples wow so we um last year we went over there and we we spent a couple days picking um and uh we fermented it all i think we we almost fermented uh you know 70 gallons of juice and we were hand pressing a juice too Whoa. um 
and hand pressing. I'll t- that's why I'm so glad to be friends with Chris now with that belt press. Uh, you know, the fact that you can press so many more apples in two hours than you will press in like t- three 12 hour shifts um, is very impressive. And uh, it's, you know, you can't take your time is of, of the essence mm-hmm. nowadays. I, uh... it, was, it was pretty cool too. I, 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 uh, so I bought the press off of Walmart for 250 bucks. And then I, I pressed all these apples and I noticed like, so it was supposed to be stainless steel and like, um, then it started rusting right away. So I just returned it after I pressed mm-hmm. all my apples and they gave me a full refund. So, <laughs> shout out to Walmart for the full <laughs> refund. I mean, hey, it's their fault for selling a oh, junk product, I guess. Subpar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, seriously. But that that was, you know, it was a great experience. And most of the time I would just buy my juice normally. There's just so many great um, farmers that, you know, they, they're, they're better at it than, you know, I could be, they have 40 years experience, some of them, and they got the equipment to press nice, fresh apple juice. They got the cold storage for it. And it's, I'd rather, you know, sometimes I'd rather pay three seventy five for a gallon than, um, than press for 12 hours. Right. (laughs) My, uh, I, I didn't mention this before the the show started. Um, but you, you're talking about, harvesting and gathering apples and stuff my my neighbor this year so i'm out in the driveway you know uh, brewing beer a couple times a month and um he you know came over one of the times that i was brewing and he goes hey you know i i have this apple tree in my backyard and he's this retired guy and he's like you know all i've you know I've, i've wanted to make hard cider from these apples for like years and you obviously like make you know alcohol or whatever like do you want to like make some hard cider with me and i don't have a press um and i was like sure you know let me figure out if we can actually you know somehow get the juice out of these apples though and so uh what we ended up doing shout out to this guy brad in my homebrew club um who had a homemade press you know i'll talk to you about it, it, it just a, a neat idea but uh my neighbor steve he harvested i think he gathered up maybe like two or three bushels of bear or bushels of apples and blended them in in a uh just a food processor um to to get them you know just kind of broken up and stuff like that like by hand like all day but he was happy to do it he's like this is this is it's all you know he has infinite time basically um and so we we took uh all of this apple stuff uh, just bits and pieces and stuff like that and this press that brad has it's um think of a giant wooden rectangle that is uh, reinforced really well on the top and the bottom um you put a a bucket between the top and the bottom wood pieces a nylon bag inside of it um, this bucket has holes you know drilled out of the side so that when you press juice comes out of the holes on the side um he cut out a piece of wood that fits um inside the bucket and then uh uh, you just use basically like a a four by four and a 12 ton press or a 12 ton jack and you jack uh jack it against the top of the you know reinforced wood frame Hmm. and press you know the the circular piece of wood 
down under the the pulp um, through the nylon mesh bag. It comes out the holes in the bucket. And then we just took a turkey roasting pan and uh, we had the bucket sitting inside of that and just snipped a, a hole uh, so that the juice would flow out of the turkey roasting pan into the bucket that we actually fermented in. Um, and it worked really well, you know, for being sort of something that that uh, that he built himself, you know, with the exception of whatever a, a 12 ton press costs. Um, it worked pretty cool. So I think we ended up getting maybe about two gallons of juice out of it. Um, we topped up the rest with uh, juice from Houston Farms down here in Kalamazoo, uh, who, like you mentioned, their farm, they make great cider. Um, just this weekend, they actually did uh, a pressing, and I think it was five bucks a gallon, and it was delicious, and we did some tastings of some of the hard cider that they make out there, and uh, it was a blast. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with this, you know, backyard apple stuff. Um, I tried one of the apples and, you know, it tasted good. I don't know if that necessarily means it's going to make good cider, but yeah. he, you know, he was like, you know, the deer just going to eat them anyway. So that's, that's yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing. You know, they're going to grow whether you want them or not want them mm -hmm. to or not. Yeah. It's and, a fun uh, experiment. Yeah. There's some good at, you know, uh, speaking back on my buddies, that farm that we were for foraging on, there's so many, we don't even know the varieties of apples. Like I can know, like I can tell some are crabs, just got a couple Macintoshes, but you know, it's, unless it's, it's tough, unless you're like growing apples for many years um, or, you know, at least around a farm that has these educational opportunities to learn about your different apples. Um, a lot of times they all get chopped up and just like, uh, one bucket of uh malic acid and fructose <laughs> and yep. uh that's pretty much what it is there's there are some people there's a cider maker out of florida uh melbourne he he he's uh he he upset a lot of farmers at the cider con one year um at one of the seminars i was at because he was saying you know because in florida it's hard you know you have to get a lot of concentrated uh juice and like if you want fresh juice you got to go up to philadelphia or new york or washington dc um and he was trying to say that he can mimic apple juice with just uh like sugar water and malic acid and he's yeah. like he's like uh, he's like i don't care again like my apples or like what it, if it matters but at the end of the day the hair you know the the history of it it does matter because that's the, like the history of cider making comes from, you know, in America, it comes from revolutionary times. Before that, it's like Champenois, French regions, uh, English regions. In England, if you were you were considered like, you know, a couple decades ago, um, cider came in two like two liter bottles. Um, and it was like the boozers drink. So it was like the real alcoholics. They They'd be drinking cider all the time. It was only only two types of people drink cider. It was high school kids and uh, real alcoholics in England. Um, huh. And, you know, people didn't really respect it uh, for a little bit. And then, you know, obviously when people started trying out these like heirlooms, cider varieties with like high tannins, at, like especially wine drinkers, you start recognizing certain flavors that you really like. And then, you know, it takes all it takes is one really good cider and you're, you're pretty much hooked i think 
Yeah, that reminds me. I, I, uh, I don't, I can't recall if I said this on one of our previous shows, but I was reading about uh, uh, a hard cider a little while ago, and apparently, it was commonplace to give your kids hard apple cider with breakfast up until like the 1950s or something like that. Like I can't remember, but it was a lot sooner than I thought it was that we were feeding kids, you know, alcoholic beverages. I just thought that was uh an interesting little tidbit to make my uh elementary school go by <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> well i did have a question for you though uh, do you prefer like doing uh single varietal uh ciders or do you do you, uh advocate for blends or do you have a specific favorite that you you like to work with um i think uh I think both. It's it's hard to sit on. It's I mean it's easy to sit on the fence for that question, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just think. I mean, if I had to bring up some some of my favorite apples, I mean Macintosh is just, is just such a, a American staple. Um, it's kind of like it's sweet, but it has that recognizable acidity that you that you you know you you tie with Macintosh. Um, a good example is tandem, tandem cider is Macintosh. Um, they, they also do another one called green man. And, you know, those ciders taste exactly like the apples that they use. Um, and a lot of that comes from their cider making process, which is a little bit different from how other cider makers do it. Uh, they use a centrifuge and literally stall fermentation Mm -hmm. at, a certain uh you know play-doh or, or gravity so they don't back sweeten um, so they don't they don't back sweeten they just keep the residual sugar they just filter oh, it that's awesome. right in the middle of it so you get so much more apple flavor out of their cider um and it's gotta be a massive centrifuge like like they're doing it in their giant and giant fermenters i'm assuming right and then dropping it all out or yeah i've i actually i have never seen their actual fermentation space i do know that they're expanding it i saw a picture of their barn that they're building um it they're gonna have a world-class facility in traverse city uh i'm excited to actually see it you know um i think the last time out the the first and last time i was actually on their farm was during the like middle of the pandemic so um we were all outside like i was just hanging out in their apple orchard uh, which again is a great place to drink if you're, you know, in the middle of the day, Traverse City. Yeah. It's pretty fun. You just sit in the grass. Um, <laughs> Julie's over here laughing. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, blends, as far as blends go, I mean, I can talk about Martinelli's. Uh, so my uncle actually has been growing for Martinelli's for the last, you know, 40 years pretty much uh, in California. And their juice blend is straight up uh, Newtown Pippins and green apples. So like acidic, like really acidic Granny Smith. So Granny Smith, um, which I think is just such a great blend because Newtown Pippins are a little bit sweeter. Uh, then you have the Granny Smith, which is, has the acidity. It's kind of like they're both the yellow, you know, one's a yellow apple, one's a green apple. Um, but, you know, they have world-class juice. You know, Martinelli's juice is sold in Costco's around America. Um, you know, they, they actually just started fermenting hard cider for the first time. They contracted through 
Gordon Biersch, uh, like Rock Bottom Brewery Group, yep. out of San Jose. So they, um, yeah, they they had a the the guy that was in charge of that. He really knows what he's doing with fermentation, and um, he he they they fermented it. All the Martinelli's juice, they they bottled it. Um, it's a little bit semi sweet, I would say, but you know that's that blend is just quintessential you know martinelli's is such a recognizable brand you just can't take away that blend that that the brand from them do you um speaking of like you know varieties of apples and stuff like that is there like a like a terroir to apples like a is a macintosh grown here does that taste different than a macintosh grown you know like four states away um like is is like local you know juice just like different or is like a Macintosh always going to taste like a Macintosh? Like, um, for the most part, uh, Macintosh will taste like a Macintosh. Uh, okay. most of the scions that you buy, um, you know, they come from nurseries. Um, but those scions come from other nurseries. Mm. Uh, okay. It, it, there are some varieties that I would say definitely would have different flavor tastes. I think for sure. Um, like, I mean, you can't say that it's really hard. To, I, I haven't found any really good French apples in Michigan. So it's like, you know, obviously those really hearty, high tannic French variety apples, they grow, they can, you know, they grow best in France. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have these like generations of American grown apples, which I, you know, I was, I'm always like American apples up here you know <laughs> maybe french apples second place but <laughs> just like the 2008 uh swimming olympics you know <laughs> uh, just joking i'm sorry if there's any uh frenchies out there <laughs> I, I i don't i don't know if you know our our market is really to yeah. the French or, <laughs> or to swimming enthusiasts. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to offend anyone. Yeah, probably yeah, not yeah. a whole lot of exercise enthusiasts in general. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think terroir definitely matters. Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, so I I got my Cena certification. Cena is the Cider Institute of North America. Um, it's a not well. It's, it's a organization based on the education of like four cider makers. So it's like, it's almost like the Cicerone, um, not quite like take, like take you, you take your test or whatever, but it's more um, a class on how to make safe cider. Mm, um, okay. And when they talk about safe cider, we're talking about like apples, you know, that are, are F, you know, they're, they're, they're approved for cider. So like if you're a commercial cider maker in America, you know, you have to hand pick your apples. Um, if you're a cider maker in France or England, you could shake your trees. The apples can all fall that. on the ground. And then they have this giant broom that'll just sweep them yeah. all up. And I figured we were shaking apples over here too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. We, America's a little bit stricter. Um, hmm. I mean, there's, they're not going to be over your shoulder watching everything that you do. Um, but yeah, traditionally, if you're going to sell apple juice in a store, it's supposed to come from actually picked apples. So it's it's funny because in Europe, they're allowed to treat their apples a little rougher. Um, in America, we have to be a little bit 
cleaner More delicate because of our uh, FDA and USDA and all that stuff. Um, what would, um, what, what's the difference between like a, like a typical, like American cider and a French cider? Like I've never had a French cider before. I'd say, uh, uh, mostly there's tannins and effervescence. It, the process they go through, um, effervescence, uh, cause they, they, they have, they do it like champenois, like almost like lagering techniques, you know, spunding valves where, but they mm-hmm. do it, um, in bottles. So, um, if you ever see those racks with the bottles that are hanging upside down and they have that little yeast thing right in front, uh, yeah. that's pretty much, uh, that's a French technique of carbonating your wine or cider in the bottle. Um, and then, uh, you like degorge it or something, right? Degorge it. I was thinking degorge. Yeah, yeah. The other term is I, I, the French term I was thinking of is batonnage with barrel. You take a spoon oh. and you like you're actually like taking the yeast and lifting it into suspension. So you get a, a some some French cider makers believe that gives you more flavor, like more yeast flavor, um, especially in the wild fermented stuff and. That's a dis- uh, disgorging. Yeah, disgorging is the disgorging. Uh, yeah the one with the bottle. So yeah, they they pretty much it takes a lot of skill. You know, they have the yeast that blocks the top. They have to use the knife. They hit the bottle, pops off. Then they put in this other machine that pretty much tops it off with more dry cider, and then they uh, cap it. And crazy. Uh, the machines do it a lot more efficient but there are very very skilled individuals out there in europe that that are trained they've been doing it it's mm-hmm. like memory for them and they can it's a definitely a french technique uh only a handful of cideries do it over here um but you get like i think maybe uh finer bubbles i guess that's a way to explain oh, okay. effervescence and co2 interesting um more like champagne like bubbles and that's uh those are the two differences, like the tannins and then the bubbles. That's pretty much what I would take away from French ciders for sure. Americans are more it's a little bit more less carbonated. Uh I think a lot of American traditional dry cider is a little bit petulant. Um and then it's they're you know, they're still got the tannins, um, but they're it's it's like boozy wine, more wine like in my opinion. Do we sell any like French cider over here? Like, if I wanted to try to find some, would that be like something? That's a good question. Yeah, I'd say I think you you could definitely find it. Um, The number one place that I used to go to uh, when I was in Chicago was um, the Northman. The Northman. uh, Actually, Julie was a bartender at the Northman while I was cider making for at Eris, and uh, it was kind of great. On Wednesdays, I would go there because she would be working till midnight. And I mean, they had the largest selection of cider and Calvados. They had the largest selection of Calvados in America. And Calvados is apple brandy. Um, and then they had just so many different ciders on tap. Like that, they were the first place I got to try Ancho. Uh, Ancho is spelled A N X O. It's based out of Washington, D.C. Oh. Um, those guys make amazing. Uh, wild age, dry ciders. Uh, they have like sour ciders, oak age ciders, 
clean wine-like ciders, um, and all their apples are picked within 300 miles of, uh, well, were picked within 300 miles of Washington, D.C. So they would actually go around and like go and find apple trees in people's neighborhoods and give them gift cards and be like, hey, if you don't mind, I can pick your apples at the end of the season. And like, here's a $10 <laughs> gift card to my shop. And that's awesome. Yeah, they built they that's built really a cool. really good. Uh, uh, Resourceful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I recommend Ancho's probably my number one place I would visit next time I go to Washington, D.C. for sure. Okay. I have never been to DC. Yeah. So I'll put that on my list. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, a little bit of background behind me. I'm, uh, so I'm new to the Midwest. Um, I grew up in Hawaii. I went kindergarten through high school. Oh. Um, I went to college in San Diego, went to San Diego state for a little bit and, uh, started working for ballast point. Um, moved back to Hawaii uh, worked for Kona Brewing Company, and that's where I met Julie. Um, and she she got me all the way back to her hometown of Grand Rapids. So. <laughs> that's a long trek. <laughs> yeah, I, I never thought, you know, I, I'll tell you, there's so much opportunity out here. And I, like I knew, you know, in Hawaii, it's no one wants to teach you how to brew in Hawaii. There's all they just now kind of started getting a little bit more of a bigger homebrew um, uh thing there because all the import of grain and all the import of everything else is really expensive. Um, so when I was there, I was, you know, I'd help my friend out brewing every now and then, but I, I knew I wanted to brew prof- or like at least learn how to brew professionally. And so Chicago was that place where I learned how to do that. Are there, and, um, not to detract, but are there like native uh, fermented beverages in Hawaii, like because you know, obviously, you said import of grain and hops and everything to make traditional beers or ciders. Even I'm assuming is just you know astronomical. So what, what do they have? Anything that's just used from the island? Yeah, hmm. uh, not so much like alcoholic beverages. Um, I'd say kava is probably the closest thing. Kava is like a drink. Um, it's not alcoholic, but it, it comes from a root and it relaxes you. Um, as okay. far as like locally brewed, more recently locally brewed beverages in Hawaii, uh, like people still brew, obviously. There's a Kona Brewing Company, Maui Brewing Company. Yeah. Um, I love Big Island Brew House. Those guys, they live on the dry side of Waimea, and they're probably one of the only breweries that try to grow their own hops. So that's pretty rad. Um, but as far as cider goes, there's only one cidery in uh, in Hawaii. It's called Paradise Ciders. Um, I actually went to high school with uh, one of the owner's brothers, and they ferment all like local tropical fruits. So they have a dragon fruit cider. They have strawberry guava cider. They have pineapple. Mm. They have ginger. They do... Um, That'd be awesome. Guava, if I already said that, but it's mostly all tropical juice. Uh, And most of it probably comes from concentrate if they're doing Mm -hmm. like hard apple. But this still, you know, even with concentrate juice, you can still create a really tasty cider. Um, You know, you can't dock concentrate. Uh, That's definitely been my opinion. Like, obviously, if you're going to do a wild fermentation, you're going to want to press real actual fruit and you want that yeast from the 
from the um, skins to be in your juice. But if you're just doing a clean wine fermentation, then um, uh, concentrate is fine. And I've um I've made many a uh, Indian summer uh, cider, so yeah. <laughs> I have I have yet to try that. All all my yeah. ciders have been you know pressed, so yeah. I, I, I want to try I want to try the Indian summer method. I've and do a back to back. I mean, I've had From your Mox. ciders, Brian. So your your shit's your shit's good. So it, it tastes like you know what what you would imagine, you know fermented Mott's apple juice with, you know, nutrient and aged on fruit or something tastes like, I mean, it's fine. It's totally crushable. It's nothing that's going to win an award or there's absolutely zero nuance to it. It's just like, yeah, this is good. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you, you never know. You can win, um, you know, you can win awards with, with, uh, uh, lesser quality juice, you know, blending is really, you know, that's like half, that's like probably more than half the battle is just blending it for modern style. Do you know, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Is it, is it Jeff Carlson? Um, he's the, the cider maker of the year. He's, he's won the award like freaking like six times or something like that. Um, he lives in Grand Rapids. He's from Grand Rapids. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like the national like award winning cider maker of the year like multiple times over, and he lives is out he in the Rapids area there. Does he make like yeah, homebrew? yeah, yeah? He's, is he the, he is he the older guy? I think yeah, he's yep. older guy. Yes, that would make sense. I think he works. He volunteers at Glencap every year. I think. Yep, yep, that's him. I'm, yeah, I'm we've met him. He's stewards. Um, uh, he's stewards at that event. I think. I think I worked with him one year, and I, I definitely saw him this year. Um, Julie and I, I will admit, Julie and I were hungover the day we had to do it. We, cause all of our friends from all of our cider maker friends from Chicago came into town the night before. Yeah. And then they had all like Good all timing. weekend long, they have events, you know, like you're yep. like meet and greet at speakeasy lounge. And then, uh, and then it goes on to Bob's bar and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's 8am and you're tasting cider. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what uh do you have like a favorite of were you out at Glint Camp this year? Yeah, I judged oh. um I judged uh I don't know, five categories, ten different ciders and five different categories, so uh fifty different ciders. Do you have a, a favorite that you walked away with, you think? Or yeah, I will admit, um I well like cause I had modern dry uh, a lot. A lot of the modern dry that was the largest entry, uh, largest largest entries, um, the largest category. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did have some cider that I recognized. Uh, speaking back on tandem cider, I had the Green Man. Um, I knew right away when I drank that one. <laughs> I was judging it. I was trying to be non partial, and I'm not. Yeah. And I was. I, I you know wasn't a hundred percent sure it was Green Man, but I was like, this tastes like Green Man. Um, they ended up winning a gold and uh, you know, I, the way that the judging works is that there's three judges and then you, we all talk about our scores and then we take basically the, the, the two most average scores and then we average that out. And that's, it's a pretty effective way to judge yeah, cider. I like that. Uh, it was pretty nice. It, like I had some wood age cider as well. 
And some of those were really interesting because they had a little bit more descriptors to it. I think it would be really hard to judge wood age cider without knowing what what kind of process the aging was. Like, was it aged in a port barrel? Was it aged in a Chardonnay barrel? Was yeah. it aged with uh, oak chips? Was it, oak, you know, like, was it French oak? Was it virgin oak? Um, was it an American oak? And um, that was pretty interesting because they did give us a little bit more information. So I had a cider that was aged in a port barrel. Uh, hmm. <clears throat> that one was, that was the last category of the day. And I was grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just drinking like 12%, 10% ciders. And I'll be honest, I only spit out three of them. Uh. <laughs> I drank at least 50 ounces of cider or 45, 47 ounces of cider that day for sure. That's a, That Insane. makes for a, a long and good day, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a veteran. There you, there you go. <laughs> did uh, did you judge Perry at all? No, I wish I did. Uh, but also, I'm I'm not too familiar with the Perry uh, okay. as far as um, I, like I know, uh, I love Uncle John's Perry. Um, I think that was like I had that at um, at the place of work, so I had that on tap more often. Their, their cider pressing is pretty soon too, isn't it? I think. Oh yeah. Uncle John's is, they really, they're actually, they're technically America's most award-winning cidery. Wow. Uncle John's. Yeah. They, they've been around long enough and they've won enough awards. Um, I mean, they're still going to win more awards, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> right now a uh, couple of other cideries are the kind of the, the flavor of the year. Uh, Haken's cidery out of Colorado. They cleared, uh, they cleared house with a bunch of awards the last three years, um, which is pretty interesting. You know, they have, you know, you have apples growing in all types of environments. You got it in like kind of like a little bit more of a muggy uh, lake-like environment in Michigan. You have um, hot, hot California. Um, you got Colorado, which is, you know. Like higher altitude and stuff. Yeah, higher altitude. Yeah. So um, I'm sure like they're all getting their apples from this uh, – a nursery that's local because yeah. all those apples have adapted to those climates. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah. I, uh, we, when we first met you, it was up at, um, at Vandermill and I, I'm just, I get drunk and nosy and, you know, I, I waved and I was like, you know, Hey, you know, good luck on your entries or whatever. But, um, Jason and I were dropping off entries too. The, the reason I asked about Perry is Jason and I entered Perry's into the non-commercial, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The competition uh, uh, this year. Fun. It's not yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Non-commercial uh, category. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I guess it's not category, but uh, yeah, I know you know. We we uh we got some Perry from or some some cider juice but, or some pear juice from Houston Farms down here last year, and, and we made Perrys out of them. And uh, Jason ended up actually getting a silver, I think, for his. I was sad um, they didn't have that at Husted um, yeah. this year because I still I still got some of my Perry and I should have I'm gonna bottle off the rest of it. I keep saying this. I got I got to do it, but I'm gonna bottle off the rest of it because I do want to submit it somewhere, get it judged. It, it was it was good juice. Like I don't know any again. I don't know anything about Perry either. This is my first time ever making like a, a pear anything. I think maybe maybe my second. They might have done a pressing a couple years ago. Um, but. 
my experience with pears is that it's more of a fickle fruit. Um, so they have this thing called biannual bearing, um, which will happen every other year. You'll, one, one year you'll get a bunch of apples. The next year you'll get no apples. Hmm. Um, pears, you have that issue a lot more. So with pears, you'll have like a really great year for pears on one tree. And then the next year on that tree, you're not going to get any apples. Um, so yeah, it's called biannual bearing. Um, it happens a lot more for pear juice or pears. And that's why pear juice is more expensive. Uh, I had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. They definitely more expensive. Um, and from what I, my takeaway too, is that pears are way higher in pectin. So it's way harder uh, to have a clear peri. Like you can have a clear peri, but you have to let it mature for like a couple months if you're not filtering. Yeah, so I don't yeah, think mine ever really cleared up. Mine is crystal clear, mm. but it's been sitting in my kegerator, you know, cold conditioning for at this point, <laughs> literally a year. So, yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's clear as shit, but it's it's delicious. I've been holding myself off on drinking a shit ton of it because it's good but it, it drinks kind of like a like a sparkling white wine yeah like that's that's kind of like a low abv sparkling wine that's kind of my that was my takeaway after after making it uh, i don't think i use any special cider though that's something I, I wish i had more access to you know freshly pressed stuff like year round and stuff so i could experiment more and i don't want to do like smaller batches um I'm just too lazy. That's really my only. Well, it's a lot of work too, man. I mean, it's not like you can go off and, I mean, I suppose at like some of the local places, if you wanted to experiment with, uh, you know, single apple pressings, like I'm, I'm sure you can get honey crisp from Husted, like Vandermill or uh, not Vandermill, uh, for Hague. Um, I'm sure they have some single apple varietal pressings that you can buy, but I mean, this shit adds up. I mean, I want to say Honeycrisp was like eight, nine bucks a gallon Whoosh. or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're buying five gallons, you know, but then again, you also do mead and you spend a shit ton on honey. So, yeah, we, we won't even they, talk about that. On. <laughs> yeah. do, you ever use, do you like the Gordon's honey or like you ever see the, the big format of Gordon's honey? Like a, like GFS, like Gordon yeah, Foods? GFS. I, um, I don't, so what I have been using, um, when I'm going to do, um, like things with a lot of fruit, I, I ended up getting honey from like web restaurants or webstaurantstore.com. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, uh, I can get a, a 60 pound, uh, bucket of orange blossom shipped to my door for like 130 bucks. I think something like that. Oh, that's not bad. Um, Maybe it's like 150 or something. And uh, I think it's, I I think personally, um, it's good enough that um, you don't, you don't, it, like, like the, the fruit um, is going to cover up so much of that, um, you know, anything delicate that that honey might have, that it's, it, the, what we use for a base is almost like not important especially if you're using a lot of fruit, like in, in my big meads for like a five gallon batch, I'm using like 30 pounds of fruit. Um, so yeah, that sounds one, one day, wanna, one day I'll that, experiment. That's up my alley. I definitely, Oh dude. You know. Yeah. I'll hook you up. Well, I'll, uh, I'll be in Grand Rapids soon. I'm sure like we'll, we'll get together. I'll, I'll toss some stuff your way. 
Yeah, I spend a lot like I, I, I pretty much work every day of the weekend um, and I close Sunday nights. So if you're ever in GR, definitely uh, Grand Rapids, Jolly Pumpkin. Hit up your boy, Brian. <laughs> What's your role right there? there. <laughs> yeah. What's your role with uh, Jolly Pumpkin right now? Yep. Still Jolly Pumpkin. Uh, you know, it's a good good company. Uh, they got um, We got more than just sour beers, too. So there's a lot of opportunity. I, it's really nice, too, because uh, so they have a five-gallon still downstairs um, that's not being used. So uh, the cool thing is I'm in control of what happens to it at this point. So um, I'm going to be going to be distilling, distilling some, uh, you know, apple brandy for sure. And I got this moonshine. I got a, I got a still soon. I, it was, a, I adopted this uh, moonshine that's just sitting in my, my liquor room um, from two bar managers ago. He he for, he distilled it once, and I guess it's still got the head and tail. So it's it oh. still needs like uh, some another distilling round. Yeah, you got to strip it. Yeah, and that's 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 something I I don't have a lot of experience with the whole distilling. Um, you know, much much more fluent and actually active fermentation. But it is nice that I have that tool um, at my fingertips and. If I wanted to, you know, I could, you know, it's, I'm pretty much getting paid to, uh, I could bring employees down there and we could do it together as a, you know, a staff building experiment. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, if you yeah. think of it, that's probably, that, it could be, I mean, I know we've had a few craft distilleries open up down here in Kalamazoo, but that's, uh, you know, kind of the next, um, I think frontier is you know craft distilling now granted it's you know we're a homebrew show it's still illegal to do uh, uh you know at yourself at home without a license but this I, is I a do, theoretical discussion yeah yeah um <laughs> but i do think that, uh, i do think that you know hopefully you know maybe we could get some legislators on here and you know you know uh lobby for it but i i'd, I'd like to see it actually open up for you know home use yeah yeah Brian, Brian, when when you when you said earlier, uh, my liquor room was that at work or your home? Oh, that's a, that's my work. That's my okay. Work. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a liquor. I don't have a liquor room here. It doesn't last long. I got a full fridge, but that malort goes quick. I was, was going to be really excited. And you like your malort, tour. yeah? Oh. Malort's so great. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about malort is that. It's your palate. It's a palate cleanser. At the end of the day, you can drink Malort, and then anything you drink afterwards tastes a thousand times better. <laughs> uh, but also, if you're going to be judging stuff, like you can drink Malort, try a cider. You drink Malort, you try a cider. You're, you get a – it's like a reset on your palate. So Wow. Okay. That's fair. I've never it. thought of that. Yeah. Used, but that's kind of awesome. I don't think I can taste anything. <laughs> <laughs> after, i can't smell after drinking malort <laughs> you can just yeah. taste your anger yeah basically <laughs> my self-loathing hatred it uh it tastes like home depot smells that's <laughs> it's that's perfect oh, it's like pvc welding in a bottle <laughs> 
Well, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna open up. Uh, I'm gonna open up a bottle with you guys. I got a, I got right. a rare bottle open. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Not, okay. Not I thought you were gonna go get Malort. I was like, oh, yeah, that's I was like, like, I'll go get mine too. Yeah. Oh. 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 We've had we've had we've had that show once. Yeah, oh, yeah. Your Friday. We we had a we had Mr. Drew Jacobs on, uh, and if you guys haven't haven't listened to his music, he's a, a country music star here in Michigan. Go check him out. Great music. Um, but he actually put on his website to buy Brian a shot of Malort, so oh people God, could yeah. people could pay. <laughs> to get him a shot him yeah a shot. i think oh you ended up God. with like eight shots or something like that at the oh end dude i don't even know oh, eventually no. i don't think i could fulfill all of those no. uh, oh, I don't, God. I don't know. yeah it was it was, it was, it was fun terrible. it was an experience that's for sure what you got brian I well see, i see a bottle i got a 2019 cbs oh sweet Ooh. with yeah. the horse oh no oh no they're they're uh, without oh yeah it's without yeah the, uh, it's so, there's the first one bottled after they had the Mountie removed. Mountie, thank you. Yeah, Words they heard. The, for those that don't know, the Canadian government contacted founders and sent them a cease and desist uh, about uh, I putting their Mountie on the label of the CBS. I'm sure that <laughs> seems pretty nitpicky. What was the reasoning <laughs> behind that? That I have no idea. I, huh, maybe they value it. their Mounties a lot. They don't want they're good, good Christian folks. They maybe they don't want to put them in the same um, label. Delicious beverage for, for a beer. Well, here, yeah. hold on. Let me let me go find something real quick too. I, I got I got something in the fridge. I think to match. I'll be right back. Oh, I'm gonna. Ugh. Does this mean <laughs> I have to find something now? I'm gonna have to go celebrating. COVID like quarantine pretty much wiped out most of my and i know drew dosters uh in the chat there he ran into the same problem but staying at home you can drink a lot yeah yeah oh. my, my cellar is pretty well wiped out so you're a you're a hawaii boy how'd you uh how did you uh climatize to the midwest winters <laughs> He was very depressed. It was pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> Seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. Yeah, it, no shit. When you don't get that sun, right? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I, Julie Julie showed me. I got I take vitamin D um, mm-hmm. supplements. That helps a little bit. Um, I do like you know the seasons. I'm getting used to. When I first my first month, I moved to Chicago. It was zero degrees out and like a foot of snow. Um, which was in 2018 in like January. Um, what a welcome. <laughs> yeah. Julie jokes around. I was like walking around the house with a scarf. Uh, no. <laughs> I was being real dramatic, I think. I So this is one of those beers that just ends up in the fridge and you, you never get around to. Um, this is a 2017 Backwoods Bastard. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go there. Yeah. Go just, there. I mean, I haven't had the chance of going down into Founders, um, their gypsum mine cellar. It's super cool. 
Oh, I I don't even know what this is. This is the first I'm hearing of it. I feel like a bad beer person, but so, it sounds awesome. Uh, like all under Grand Rap. Oh God, this is. I don't know if it's just that chunky or if that's just the way it is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go for it. There's gypsum mines all over uh, underneath, like Grand Rapids and stuff. Um, and uh, founders basically, I, I don't know if they they must contract out with the city or whoever, but they, they store and age um, pretty much all their like barrel edge stuff down there. Uh, is that correct, Brian? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, um, they got, they I, got epic, epic barrels before founders existed. Um, I like to tell the story like uh, they used to do tours of the mines um just you know as as mines as they were and when i was a kid i actually went down there with my dad and we just like wandered around you know with a tour guide and stuff like that and got to see all the the stuff down there um but that yeah that was before founders existed um but i i know what it looks like down there and it's yeah it's it's super uh super cool no pun intended you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i I uh, I only hear I'm I only hear stories. So Julie's dad uh, works in the packaging and warehouse, and uh, I think he's only gone down there a select few times too. But uh, the way he describes it, it's just like rows and rows of barrels, and like some of the barrels down there. I guess I'm sure that there's they're accounted for in some capacity, but I imagine some of the barrels may become a mystery after the years. <laughs> um, so like the tastings, I guess they're pretty interesting. They, you know, a lot of times they're just, they're pulling and they're like, Oh, 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 okay. There's lizard of cause that we put away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't been down there, but, uh, uh, it's pretty, uh, it, the story, the legend of it, it's pretty epic. I, and I, I can't wait for the opportunity. Maybe one day I'll have tours or something yeah maybe i'll get maybe i'll be in the right place right time they'll just be like oh come on down yeah <laughs> i don't even know where the entrance to those are um, me neither julie do you yeah. know no I know. no yeah uh, well guarded secret these days yeah yeah you gotta pay the toll <laughs> well, jason our uh our, our third co-host uh apparently is watching he says he's glad he's not a specter <laughs> i mean you can't jason you can you can crack open a uh a seltzer you know with us um there's a there's a running joke on the show i don't know why but we we can't handle our seltzers just you know five six percent seltzers it's it must be the the bubbles or something i don't know but <laughs> Uh, they go they go down too easy maybe i could i could probably do more barrel aged stouts than i could five percent seltzer uh it's like really bad i could get that i uh <laughs> um yeah the seltzer the seltzer i just released uh it's more of a more like a smoothie style seltzer um and basically it's sweet it's 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 really sweet um, but I, I also make this other seltzer where um, I use lemon infused vodka. I infuse the lemons myself. Mm. Um, I do two lemons per liter. I, I peel and then have the lemons. So um, they get like a bunch of surface area on all the rind and everything. 
Nice. Um, and then I squeeze out the lemons back into the vodka. Um, and then pretty much I just do a ratio. Like I do dilution math. Um, comes out to usually if you do two and a half liters of vodka in a five-gallon uh, corny keg, uh, that's about 5%. Somewhere between 4.5 and 5%. Um, and, you know, you just add water, you carbonate it. Uh, secondly, again, a batch cocktail. Um, as much as I love to yeah. ferment a seltzer with clarified malt extract or like juice, I'm, I don't have access to a really nice filter. So like it just, uh, for me, it just makes sense because we have our distilling license, just doing batch cocktails and carbonating it with a carb stone. That's fair. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you got, you got that professionally, you might as well. Like, yeah, I've, I've, I've brewed a number of seltzers myself and I've never, had much of an issue getting clarity um on the homebrew scale uh but i know people who have so i'm uh, and i haven't done anything super fancy for clarity um just keep it cold um yeah. but um so i'm kind of waiting for my day to where i you know <laughs> pour, pour pour some milk out of my tap you know <laughs> you know brian um you mentioned hops uh in insider earlier and i'm totally changing the subject and, and reverting back but that's okay um, we've well. stayed on topic pretty damn yeah well we've done pretty, pretty well time. yeah no, normally good. we don't <laughs> normally we'd be talking about like you know how stickers work or something yeah, I don't know. yeah <laughs> that'd be like four minutes um, into the episode <laughs> yeah but how do you do your hop cider like uh is it all dry hop do you like you know make like a you know a tincture or something like go into that because i have a buddy uh travis who loves hot cider and he makes good stuff but i think like any info uh, he could garnish would uh, make his day probably so um it's kind of like uh my i i do have a way i do dry hop it it's like mm -hmm. all, it's it's all dry hop um uh i dry hop at the rate of one pound per barrel at 50 degrees for 10 days um i think that is just the perfect extraction um i think in my opinion uh you, and I, I don't just dry hop it just like i don't just dump it in mm -hmm. i have it in a in a bag like a hop bag okay. so um the it, it can be it's definitely like extra racking because like if you're you know let's say i was making a popular cider from Eris is Van Van Mojo. Um, it's back sweetened with blueberry juice. So that one had a lot of steps to it because, you know, I would have to rack. It was, it was a mosaic dry hop blueberry cider. And I'd have to dry hop that for 10 days, at 50, you know, put it 50 degrees. Uh, and then, um, you know, then I'd clean and sanitize the fermenter, pour the blueberry juice in there bucket by bucket close it up, purge it all out, uh, then rack it off of the hot bag. You know, if you're doing 15 uh, barrel batch, it's 15 pounds. So, you know, as it expands, you know, you, it's not just 15 pounds anymore. It's like 15 pounds of hops soaking with cider. Um, so, yeah, and then we rack it in there and filter it. Um, but... Uh, that's pretty much, I think my, my biggest takeaway. And I don't, I don't usually, you know, I, I don't like 
that's like, I think it's a house secret for a few people. Huh. Um, you know, yeah. it's like the, and other people have different ways they do it. You know, like mm-hmm. um, I was talking to the guy, to uh, the, the one of the owners of Thorn Apple Brewing. And, you know, he likes to hop his for a little bit more hops and then, uh, but do less days. So, you know, some people have contact, you know, they want to do four days or five days. Um, but my, yeah, that's always worked for me. And that's, that's pretty much what I do uh, every time I, I dry hop. Cool. Do you, um, do you think like a, a dry hop cider needs like more acid or less acid or anything like that to like balance out the bitterness or do you do, you, do, you do anything special there? Or is it I just think kinda... mostly going for the aromatics, like the, um, the oils from the dry hopping process. I try, I, most of the extraction is more like I try and get aromatics and, um, all the like the you know the the terpenes of the hops mm-hmm. versus the lupulin the bittering. If I wanted to do a bitter one, and this would be a great experiment too, um, it would be cool to do like a hop slurry, uh, like maybe heat up some of the cider um, with the hops and like mm-hmm. maybe even like or just apple juice or or water even uh, distilled water. Yeah, I've I've thought about that before. Like uh, like how when you make a New England, you sort of whirlpool at maybe like 160, 170 degrees. Like maybe yeah. take a gallon of cider and do like a, a a hop whirlpool and some cider, and then blend it back in or something. Yeah, uh, I, cool. I those two. I just when I was working, so my mentor, her name's Haley Shine. Uh, right now, she is the head cider maker at Little Apple Cidery out of Hillsdale, New York, and <laughs> she is the head brewer and part owner of Rojan Brewery out of Hillsdale, New York. It's in like the, right where uh, the tri-states meet. It's in Hudson Valley. Okay. Um, she she was the head brewer at Rock Bottom Brewery in Chicago for years. Um, she taught me everything I know. And I think, and again, she laughed because, so in 2018, we won bronze in the first year for Juicy IPA. Um we won a bronze medal at GABF. Awesome. We, won, we won gold. We won first place at the Illinois Brew Fest for our hazy IPA, which was kind of just like mind blowing because she always she's a purist. She likes to <laughs> yeah. She's like she makes great lagers, Oktoberfest, amber ales, like stouts. Uh, so the hazy IPA category, she was like, "Oh yeah, this is what everyone wants right now." So we're just gonna enter it in. Um, that was the second beer I brewed with her. And then like all of a sudden we won those two big awards. And um, I see a lot of similarities with hazy IPAs and um, hop cider as far as dry hopping. Uh, I think that what you're looking for in both those styles is, uh, you know, you want more aromatics versus bitters. Okay, um, yeah. And that's, that's my biggest takeaway on those two. And I, I think if I ever owned, that's what I love about Michigan too. The licensing here, uh, you can get a small winery license and a microbrewer license. You can actually tag them onto each other, and it's only like another like thousand bucks to do license wise. Like I mean, you can get all your licensing for like three grand uh, in state. The federal one's a little bit you have to wait on a list and do all this other stuff. But um, yeah, it's kind of nice to see. Uh, 
Michigan allows you to have both. So if you ever do, that's kind of where I'm, where we're at a little bit. We're looking at a few places. We're trying to decide if we had a tap room, where would we want to open up a tap room? Um, we've, we've been looking at, of course, I bridge street. I love bridge street and grand rapids, uh, swift, uh, the printing company owns all the buildings on that street. Um, so they're willing, there's like a three, there's a three car garage that I've been looking at behind new Holland. Um, it's for development, uh, lease and or sale. And I can, I have a feeling like that place is, uh, underrated, like it's, Cost versus um, what you can get out of it is probably the best compared to, I don't know, something right on the street. Because of all the traffic, you know, is going to be yeah. there and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. We've also that. been, uh, we really like Muskegon as well. Hmm. Uh, we Julie went to Baker College. Um, she graduated marketing and uh, culinary? Uh, food and beverage. Food and beverage management. So she, she you know, there's a lot of cool things out of Muskegon coming around. Um, there's actually a food truck called Tiki Boys. They won, uh, they won Taste of Muskegon this year. Uh, it's kind of funny because we actually, like Julie has ties to them. Like there's a couple of like investors are actually just bartenders and servers in the industry. Um, so it's like cool to see these up and coming small businesses in different areas of town that may have not had the best reputation in the past. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be sweet. I I can't no I can't wait to see what comes of it. That'll be that'll be awesome. I don't do we do we have like a straight up just like hard cider place in Grand Rapids besides there's there's, Vanderbilt, there's what there's Vandermelde yeah and Pucks and Pucks and that's it and well and and People Cider oh okay yeah there are a few and it's not really you know again that's what the best thing is is like. You know, you can tie on a microbrewer's license and you can do both. Um, and that's what I was really used to doing at Eris. Eris is Chicago's first uh, cidery and brewery. So like um, combined licensing. Um, in Chicago, it's a little bit harder to have the combined licensing. You actually have to have everything separated. Uh, she, they, we used to have two different walk-in coolers, one with beer, one with cider. We technically had all of our beer stuff fenced off from our cider stuff. Um, and that's all. I don't know if that was the federal because of the TTB or whatever. Um, but we had to have it completely separate, which was. But in Michigan, it seems like uh, like the people that are making cider at the places that they're making beer. They're making it in a lot of the same tanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least like, you know. CIP, you know, professionally, they got to make sure <laughs> yeah, gluten free is a big thing. You can't tell, you can't say it's gluten free and it not be gluten free. So uh, that's know. a good call. We, uh, we actually had a, a guy on here a couple months ago. His name's uh, Brian as well, like Army of Brian's up in here. But um, he runs a gluten free homebrew supply shop out on the east side of the state. And uh, um, yeah, he, he was giving us like the, the big rundown about gluten free and and yeah, like you, you don't want to, you know, there, there is no mixing, you know, of, of stuff like that. Like you, you need to really have your shit together. Yeah. So that's, that's super cool. Yeah. We used to have different pumps, different uh, hoses, um, all labeled differently. Uh, it was like really important, at least to me, like 
keeping and my head brewer to keep everything separate. Um, and that was like, plus one of the owners uh, at Eris, um, like uh, Eris specializes in gluten-free food because um, yeah. there's a lot of people that go to this restaurant that have celiac disease, which is, you know, more press, it's, more, it's coming up more and more statistically. People are recognizing it, you know, they're getting treated for it. Um, I, I'm fortunate not to, you know, have a gluten intolerance. I drink beer like crazy, but Julie's actually been, uh, sneaking in some gluten-free pasta and not telling me. She's like, don't you think her digestion is so much better now? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I would have eaten no matter what. Like, I'm <laughs> and I'll eat no matter it what. Is, it is good, yeah. I sneak it in there. Yeah. I, you know, that's a cool thing. So uh, Julie actually just got a job. Um, she's working part-time at the Amway Grand. Full-time. Full-time bartending, actually. Oh, congrats. Um, so she's Thank been you. bartending all the, you know, high volume places. Big events. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, high volume, all bougie, like, long, um, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, old fashions. Smoked old fashions. Smoked old fashions. Yeah, you'll have to check that out when you're in Grand Rapids next Do you year. do like the, like, like you, you burn like something underneath like a glass, like jar? Yeah, and... yeah we have like a little cage and like a smoke yeah. gun and we load it up with uh, wood chips and torch it and um, let it kind of marinate in the smoke. And uh, it's really tasty. It's really, really bomb. You can do an old fashioned, a Negroni or a Manhattan in there. It sounds like a, a good experiment to do with a, a cider. Yeah, oh, actually, that's not. A oh, bad dude, idea. that's you know what? <laughs> like a rouch beer, but cider. Yeah, yeah. Like smoke. Uh, like, you got to. Never had a smoke cider. Yeah, you got to. Okay, so you have to smoke the milled cider, the milled apples before you press it. Okay. So, like, yeah, you got to mill it. Have it in like a like a like a. Uh, you know, one of those kiln things, those yeah. drums, yeah. the drums, and then you smoke it, and then you press it like a mezcal. Yeah, I That'd think we're cool. onto something right here. This cool. is great. This is like, oh man, <laughs> you might have just I'm, I'm not a wine side. <laughs> I'm not super into like heavy, heavily smoked things, but like a light smoke, I can, I can totally do. Yeah, um, I'm really into that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the mezcal. Yeah, they have a, what's it called? Um, oh, I already forgot. The <laughs> CBS kicking in. <laughs> yeah, Jason, uh, Jason, uh, or, or you know Jason, he's, he's super, he can't do smoke things. Uh, it just, it's like, a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even a flavor reference. It's like a gag reflex uh, sort of thing. So, oh. uh, and, but then Jordan's the, the exact same opposite. I don't think he's going to be able to make it back. His computer's having issues, but uh, he, he, will, he will drink liquid smoke out of the bottle probably. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely want to try some of that. Yeah, uh, we'll trade. We'll do some trades. I'll, I'll drop out some meat and I gotta get some smoked cider when you get that around. Yeah, some oak oak smoked cider. Um, but yeah, there's another style too. Uh, I've been hearing about is cider fermented with sake yeast. Um, they use sake what wine yeast. 
Um, I think you just get different esters and different phenols from the yeast. Um, I do, I do like using different yeasts, you know, like, uh, obviously if you're doing like, uh, big batches of modern cider, you want consistency, but smaller batches, um, I've actually used, I, I'm in love with this Italian Sauvignon Blanc yeast. Um, you can get it from BSG. It's called Ursa. Um, it comes in a bag. The bag is expired. It's like the bag that comes in a brick, five, 500 gram brick. Um, every time I've gotten it, it was like the, the thing it's like expires in 2019. I still use it still has good, uh, you know, uh, propagation and I still get, but the, I love the, if you, you have to add a little bit more nutrient, but you get really good, uh, fruit, fruit qualities from the esters and phenols. That's super cool. Oh, I never heard of that. There's yeah. so much, I mean, just, just like, just like with everything, there's, there's so much, much experimentation you can do. I, uh, you know, we were talking about mead earlier. I only just started getting into mead maybe like, you know, 18 months ago. And uh, uh, I was talking with my girlfriend, Shana, just a couple days ago. And she was like, yeah, before you started making meat, I thought, you know, honey was just honey. Like you get it out of the bear and it tastes like, you know, what you put on your food or whatever. And since then, I think downstairs right now, I have probably like 14 different like monofloral, like varietals, you know, like uh, Christmas berry, you know, and, uh, and, and meadow foam and Lahua blossom, just like all these, though you, you'd probably know the Lahua blossom, right? Lahua. Um, yeah. Lahua is hibiscus, I think. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to look up. I know I was, um, my Hawaiian name was Lelehua, which is like a feminine Hawaiian name for some reason. <laughs> okay. I was designated by my, uh, I, I, Mayday is Lede in Hawaii, so all in elementary, kindergarten through eighth grade, I had to learn hula every year, do like a dance for Mayday. I'm looking this up though, like hula. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally interested to know the um, the honey itself has almost a sort of like funk to it when you first smell it, and then oh yeah, it's not, it's not hibiscus, it's that prick, it looks. That's that other tropical one that they got going on. <laughs> it's got a bunch of like, um, oh yeah. So in uh, in elementary school, we would just go around. They oh, had sorry. this wild growing, um, and you could just pick it and suck the honey out of the actual flower. It was really great. You're kidding me. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, man. I love Michigan. I think um, you know. I, I always see. This Michigan's always new to me. Um, the fact that we have, you know, rivers, you know, I, I go kayaking down the Rogue River, the Muskegon River, the fact that we get sunsets, the fact that we get seasons, we have awesome beers, uh, awesome apples. Um, I just, I, Michigan is such a hidden gem. Um, and that, that I just love everything I've seen so far. We're, we're very lucky to have you, uh, I'm sure. You know, it's, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what your, you know, your story does. I asked in chat if there's any questions before we start wrapping up and stuff. And uh, Jordan has asked if you've ever actually tried making sake. I have not. Um, I watched a documentary on it. 
and it was pretty interesting to see. There's one, uh, I can't remember which, which streaming service, but they talk about, um, it's funny because there's a white guy who went to Ox, Oxnerd and he was like, he pretty much is the head, he's the first like, um, in Hawaii we call him Howley, but he's the first Caucasian like uh, official sake maker. Um, you know, he, he spent a lot of the nineties getting, uh, you know, looked down on for certain things, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, cool, uh, cool aspects to what they're doing over there because they have limited space. So they have like, I love, they have this egg fermenters that are just amazing. Like they ferment, they look, they're like plastic eggs, but like they're, uh, they're, they ferment a lot in that. I, I think it really comes down. I think they use the enzymes to break down the starches of the rice into sugars. Mm-hmm. And that's how they get this. It's basically like beer, but a uh, little bit of a different process. They let the rice sit out with the enzymes on it. It's just like a mold, isn't there? Even, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, apparently, you know, it takes years to master and I believe it. Um, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I actually met, I, I met, a I met the founder of, uh, Sochu is a plum wine over there. Um, and that's a whole nother story, but <laughs> you know, there's so many great things like people just fermenting out of nothing and like, whether it's apples or grains or corn, blue agave, you know, they got that. And it, so many, it's so great to see how many options there are, like, you know, nowadays. Well, man, uh, do you have any, like, final words you want to say? Like, anything about, like, your cidery or, like, Jolly Pumpkin or anything else? Um, websites yeah. or shout-outs or, or whatever? For sure. Uh, well, I want to thank you guys. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, you know, I could have been – little more prepared and ask you guys a little more questions but this is about you man no (laughs) you can ask us questions when we can go out to a bar and drink it's fine oh yeah Um, yeah we we talk enough about ourselves as it is (laughs) yeah i i I, you know i love everything you guys are doing i you know i tuned in and heard you guys talk about you know your recipe building and you guys in-depth decision making i mean that process is just interesting to watch um something that a lot of people don't get to see some a lot of the decision making on uh, on recipe building comes downstairs in a cellar between two and three people, um, and it's nice to see it out in the open, even just for fun. And you know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to is that you guys are out there, you're making beer, you're drinking it, and you're doing it for fun. And that's I think that's just the epitome of what beer is supposed to be about. I love it. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Well, thanks, man. Um, for everybody watching still, um, we have a couple shows coming up. Um, I think we're going to meet up with the Motor City Mashers soon. Um, we have our, we're going to have a Thanksgiving seltzer episode where we're just going to get like pretty much wrecked and talk about seltzer. <laughs> um, Brian, Julie, if you guys don't have anything going on, maybe we'll invite you back. Like if I've been, I've been giving the shout out to everybody. Like if you just want to have like a nice little holiday get together online and and bullshit um well that sounds like a lot of fun yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know keep us in the loop i'll, I'll text you if anything significant is happening in our you know on our side of things and uh yeah. uh i do think that uh um if at any point i i will be running the spice drum 
pumpkin spice chai tea seltzer at Jolly Pumpkin. Um, I'll be making it batch by batch and uh, just tune into their Instagram or I'll send you a text and let you know, hey, we got this going on and uh, love for you to try it out. It is, you know, taste. It's sweet, but it's everything that you can expect out of what people want. So that sounds amazing. No, I, I totally can't wait. Uh, Shannon and I will definitely get up there. Um, yeah. I, I actually haven't been to the Grand Rapids uh, Jolly Pumpkin, so I heard the pizza's great. <laughs> yeah, pizza's great. Pizza, we have, a, we have a better, our our location has a better oven than the, any of the other locations, so. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's, uh, that we're, I don't know if that's true, but we just make better pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing, too, for people. I, uh, um, last weekend, uh, well, two weekends ago now, I guess I was out um, near the uh, near Shram's Farms territory, and uh, Shannon and I did a, a tour out on some of the the new land that that he has. And uh, Ken uh, was gracious enough to uh, give us a tour himself of, of some of his property with you know a few other people. And uh, I talked to him, and and Ken uh, is going to come on our show and talk about mead and growing fruit and uh terroir and and all sorts of stuff uh we don't have a time planned uh i wanted to make sure that you know he had time to chill because right now is his like growing season and, and everything and i figured maybe we'll uh we'll try to book him during the winter but uh when there's snow on the ground uh look out for uh, uh ken tram and trim's meat episode uh so that'll be super cool too but uh brian julie thank you so much uh it was yeah. nice having you tonight and, yeah, uh, thank you guys, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys again soon. Seeing what you guys are all about. Um, yeah. yeah, if I end up brewing a batch, definitely gonna enter in uh, whatever homebrew fest that you guys are sponsoring. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you've heard of the. Have you heard of the Michigan Homebrew Festival? Uh, y- yes, Pre- a little roughly. You know, it's. I'll I'll bug you about it uh, as as the year goes on. It happens uh, it happens in August every year, but um, it's like it's like beer Christmas. Um, it's something you guys should definitely come out for. It's just uh, basically like three days of uh, drinking homebrew for free and uh, associating with friends and uh, eating great food and just having a good time. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you about it more. But uh, yeah, hang out after the show and everybody else. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. And uh, all right, cheers. Cheers.